Thank you for joining us today and welcome to QSource Conversation. I'm Kathy Moore, your podcast facilitator. I'm excited to share with our listeners a great conversation with Maria Page, who is Director of Firm Growth and Development at Applegate and Dillman Elder Law. In this episode, it's my pleasure to talk to Maria about life care planning, what families need to do in preparation for their loved one's well-being, safety, and quality of life for their loved ones. What does that conversation look like with families? So let's get started. Welcome, Maria. Can you give us a little bit of background about what you do at Elder Law? Thanks, Kathy. I appreciate you having me on. We are Applegate and Dillman Elder Law, and we are a full-service elder law firm. So that's everything from your basic estate planning, getting things like your advanced directives in place, powers of attorney, healthcare rep, all the way through more advanced planning, asset protection planning, and long-term care planning. And my role directly is looking at the market, looking at strategies, looking at what do people in in Indianapolis or central Indiana need when it comes to elder law? Where's that gap in education and how can we best fill that space? When we're talking about life care planning and what does that mean? Life care planning and is there a difference between end of life planning and life care planning? Yeah, so life care planning is is different than end of life. What that means is that we have two practitioners or elder care coordinators on our team who look at care needs, who look at coordinating care for families. They act as advocates for families. They sit in on care plan meetings, and they really act as an extension for families as they're starting to navigate that long-term care continuum. We try to have at all times a, a nurse on staff, healthcare facility administrator, and social workers as well, um, just because they understand the resources that seniors need as they age and are a really good resource for our families too. So how do families prepare? What does that conversation look like when you guys are preparing families on what they need to do to start the process? what they're looking at as far as their, you know, loved ones, the well-being, estate planning, even choosing appropriate care. How does that conversation start? When we have families that seek out elder law services, what we typically do is try to educate them on the different phases of planning. And this can apply to anybody across the board. So our first phase that we will look at is what we call guardianship avoidance. And that is getting your advanced directives in order, things like your power of attorney, financial power of attorney, who can act on your behalf and make legal and financial decisions when you cannot can no longer do so. Your healthcare representative, that is another advanced directive that we make sure that everybody has that comes in our door. And that's appointing somebody that you trust to make medical decisions on your behalf if you were to become incapacitated. Uh, The next, that third document would be your living will, which spells out medical treatments that you would or wouldn't want at end of life, such as nutrition and hydration, or maybe nothing at all. That fourth document that we recommend is that funeral directive, which really is just putting into words how you want funeral arrangements to take place, 
after you pass away, which is really a benefit for your family or the or your friends and those who would be planning services because it just lays it out and the decisions are much easier to make in that pretty difficult stage of just grief and, and mourning for the people that you've lost. And then that HIPAA is the fifth and this HIPAA acts almost like a global HIPAA that gives permission for those that are trying to seek out your medical records, gives them access to the that information. So that stage, those documents, those advanced directives, the power of attorney, healthcare representative, living will, funeral declaration, and HIPAA are what we call advanced directives, which is our guardianship avoidance phase. And again, anybody that's that's seeking out estate planning services, that's going to be the first thing that you want to get done. That's the foundation. The second phase is what we call probate avoidance. This is that stage where you may think of a last will and testament or trust work. And what we try to explain to people, especially as they're aging, is that a last will and testament is not going to guarantee to keep your estate out of probate court after you pass away. And probate court is really when you have assets in your name that don't have any direction. They don't have a beneficiary or there's no direction for what happens to that asset after your death. If there is an estate that doesn't have direction, it will go through probate court, which is both expensive. It can cost anywhere from four to 11% of an estate. Um, and it's time consuming. It's it's what we think of typically nine months to two years is the typical process for your estate to go through probate. So for example, if you have a bank account in your name only and you pass away, your bank account will freeze and go through probate court if there's no direction on that bank account. In that phase, in that probate avoidance phase, we really look at what's your estate look like and how can we protect it from going through probate court upon your death. So that's the second phase. We have guardianship avoidance, probate avoidance. And then the third phase is really what sets elder law apart from just general estate planning. And that is the asset protection planning and long-term care planning piece. As you age, you start to change your perspective from earning dollars to then preserving dollars. And you think about things like nursing home costs and the costs of care which can be very expensive. It can be anywhere from 5,000 a month to 12,000 a month, depending on your care needs. And what we typically do is advise people to start asset protection planning five years in advance of needing any type of care. And that gives you a really good runway to start protecting that nest egg that in turn will help qualify for benefits down the road. So that that's what sets that asset protection planning, long-term care planning piece is what sets elder law apart from general estate planning. And so it's really not just the families that you're talking to. It's the elders or those are your clients and helping them prepare for what's coming. And what I'm hearing you say, it's not about what do you want happen when you die, but what do you want to go on while you're living is the what I'm hearing you say. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I think what we really tried to imprint upon people is that the earlier you plan, the more control you and options you will have as you age, the more freedom you give yourself and choice you give yourself, 
if you do that more advanced planning. So not only does that protect you and protect your your choice and the money that you've made and the goals you have for yourself, like maybe if you're wanting to age in place as opposed to going into a long-term care nursing home, if we do more advanced planning, that can be more of a reality. But it also helps with families as well. The more decisions that you make for yourself, the less conflict there is between family members who may disagree, especially if it comes to a point where you're no longer able to make those decisions clearly and your family has to step up and speak on your behalf. If you've laid out your wishes in advance, it's more likely to preserve that family unit to make sure that everybody's on the same page and all things are sort of moving in that same direction. So you encourage families to come with their loved ones then? Yeah, absolutely. It, we try to tell the the seniors that we're working with, and, and really a lot of times we will get calls from adult children who say, I know that my parents need to start planning, or maybe they've brought it up to them recently and they're wanting some help on how to have that conversation. We always say the the more you can get involved, your kids, your parents, anybody who might play a part in that sort of stage of your life, the better, because everyone can make sure that they hear from you directly what your wishes are, and there's no room for conflict down the road. So it's really, life care planning is really about helping your seniors and families understand the natural progression of aging and the impact on one's loved one's health, you know, housing, financial resources, all of it rolled up together. Yes, absolutely. It's a major part of what we do is education and and really guidance on what that process looks like. And advocacy, really, once that stage of life approaches, the more care you need and the more complex it can get, you have somebody, life care planning really allows for you to have somebody in your court rooting for you and advocating for you and making sure that what you laid out as your goals is what is what is taking place. Wonderful information. Is there anything else you want to tell the listeners? If there's anything that I would really impress upon people, it's that there are a lot of myths and misconceptions when it comes to aging and putting a plan together for aging and the resources and benefits that are available. And more often than not, we spend that first meeting with clients debunking those myths and misconceptions and really Mm -hmm. trying to, to clarify, you know, you know, what's fact and what's not and what's possible if you do plan in advance. I think if you seek out somebody who um, is a legal professional, an elder law attorney, an estate planning attorney, they should be able to guide you through what's best for you and your family. And I would just always recommend to consult with somebody before making those assumptions. Thank you, Maria, for your information. This is valuable information. I think the listeners um, can share with their communities. And thank you very much for taking the time to do this podcast with us. Yes, thank you, Kathy. I appreciate you having us on. And I'm grateful that you are sharing these resources and this information with families as well. So thank you. 
QSource would like to thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to learn more, please visit us at qio.qsource.org. Visit our website for additional podcasts, videos, documents, and more. In addition to listening to QSource podcasts on our website, you can also find us on most media platforms, such as Apple, Google, Spotify, Podbean, and others.